I have two versions of Love TV. There's the naughty but nice version, which right. is at an AO, yeah. in a bar. Everyone's had a, had a few drinks and, you know, that's when things get a bit hot and sexy. Right. <laughs> and then there's the uh, family version, right? which is what's how I started to develop the model with city councils, where, and that's where this concept of placemaking comes in, where they realise that um, what councils like is to activate public space, mm-hmm. to engage communities, to have a bit of spectacle, and to make documentation of their place. Right. And it's also they like to know why people like a place, what they like about it, and how they can make it better. Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organisations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Triggs. Welcome to the RHA Podcast. It's uh, great to have you along today. I hope uh, you're having a fantastic week and kicking some big goals uh, with your work. It's a very exciting time, uh, getting close to Christmas. And uh, there is a lot happening. I can tell you right now, as a recruiter at Arate, we're probably the busiest we've been in years. And uh, so I'm uh, looking forward to having a break. It's been a great year, uh, but I'm imagining that next year is going to be very exciting for not only my business, but for people who are looking for new opportunities as the market continues to improve and more organisations are starting to build out their human capital by employing great leaders to lead their businesses into the future. Today is an excellent conversation with Beck Mack, and I've known Beck for a long, long time. In fact, uh, we worked together at Woolworths back in the uh, mid-80s, but I hadn't seen her for, oh, I guess uh, close to 30 years until we caught up uh, when we were both presenting uh, with the ABC radio, uh, maybe within the last sort of 12 months or so. And Beck's a fascinating person. She has a very strong arts background and uh, she does a number of interesting things. She has a business called Pops Art, which is an art media company where she goes to various art exhibitions and theater openings and a whole variety of arts related Uh, events and she interviews people which she then uh, puts out in video form on Facebook Live and her videos are great. If you haven't had a chance to check her out, have a look at her videos. She's got an amazing style and uh, really great fun and very informative, particularly for people like me who enjoy art but don't really know much about it. She also is a uh, radio host. She has a show on 4ZZZ. And she's done this amazing production called Love TV, where she has travelled the world talking about love. But anyway, uh, I'll let her tell you more about that in this interview. What Beck's really into now is this idea of city making, which is uh, by bringing together culture, energy and economies uh, to make places exciting to hang out in and to bring attachment in local communities to their places. And what she talks about is the fact that arts and culture play a very big part in this, and yet in the current environment, they're generally undervalued. So she wants to bring a lot of uh, emphasis and attention to arts and culture 
as a way of bringing people more connected with their urban spaces and more inclined to hang out in these areas. The other thing that Beck is getting into now is building stories around CEOs for media, uh, which involves storytelling and personal narratives to bring attention again to organisations as employers of choice and ways of attracting talent into those businesses. So it's a great chat and I hope you really enjoy it. Sit back and enjoy this conversation with Beck Mack. Well, hi, Beck. Welcome to the Arate podcast. Long time coming. I think uh, we bumped into each other, what, on ABC Radio. It must be close to two years ago, I think. Yeah, I think it was close to that. And uh, I uh, actually ambushed you. (laughs) (laughs) They sent me the list of who was coming on the show and I saw your name and I went, Richard Triggs. And then I Googled you and it was like, oh my God, that is Richard Triggs from Woolies Days. And I thought... Well, um, I won't say anything yet, so wait till we're on air and see if he recognises me. (laughs) So uh, we first met, what, back in the early 80s? Early 80s. I know. I know. I was much skinnier and uh, hairier then. (laughs) Hairier up the top, but not on the beard. But you were like an upcoming rock star. I was then, but uh, how the world changed. (laughs) (laughs) So, Beck, um, uh, just tell us a little bit about, you know, the kind of things that you're currently involved in. So I have a creative enterprise called Pops Art, which is an arts media company. Mm -hmm. My process is, and and what my goal is, we know our sports stars, but do we know our art stars? Okay. So how do we develop a broader audience around Mm -hmm. the arts um, in in Brisbane, in Mm -hmm. the state, in this country, Mm -hmm. so that we can generate an economy that um, allows artists to have a great a great living, basically, and also we, you know, we generate the culture as well of of Brisbane, the state, mm-hmm. the country, mm-hmm. and I think the best way, I I what my role is is to introduce new audiences to ideas in the arts to artists that maybe they wouldn't come across normally. Okay, and when you say arts, obviously that's a. You know, there's lots of arts. You yes. know, do you focus on any in particular? I work across all industries. Right. Uh, I work in visual art, contemporary art, yep. theatre, mm-hmm. music, and literature as well. Right. So okay. I'm busy, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't stop. <laughs> so you're uh, essentially putting a spotlight on the actual artist, whether it's an actor, a director, a, a, a painter, a, a musician, or whatever. Yeah, and I think... What I love to do is take the audience instantly and spontaneously to the event, to the moment. So mm-hmm. initially I was, I was broadcasting live to Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I've transited to filming and uploading instantly. Okay. But we want to take people into spaces they might not normally go. So right. the exhibition opening, backstage, you know, um, the, the launch party, the event. So you capture the moment and the energy of the moment. Yeah. But, and you, but you see the work and then you get to talk to the artist or the producer or the director about what they've just created. Right. And so your client then, is that the artist or the particular exhibition or is it, we were talking before we started mm. recording, you know, you, you were in very heavily involved with the council. Is this something that they sponsor? Yeah. So Brisbane City Council, I work with Brisbane City Council. I work with Goma. Right. I work with Brisbane Museum. I work with Queensland Theatre, well, not Queensland Theatre Company, um, Labuat Powerhouse, so all, all arts organisations right. uh, see me as part of, I guess, their marketing collateral. Okay, yeah. And so I work with their marketing departments right. to develop 
content around their events and their artists. Especially. But because I'm a third party, mm-hmm. it's sort of like not coming from them. It's right. coming from this other okay. voice. So right. it sort of brings a more gravitas, I guess, in okay. a way. And yeah. so talk me through um, what a typical engagement would look like. Well, it would be... It's all in the research yeah. and the rehearsal. Okay. So I like to... I think initially my process is understanding what the artist really wants to say mm-hmm. without... By, and so I read their press releases, I do my research, and I come up with, say, five key questions okay. that I think will allow that artist to explain themselves, right. basically. And so, um, and then uh, we film it, and then we upload it instantly, mm-hmm. so there's no editing. So mm-hmm. And so it's a five to ten minute piece mm-hmm. that, uh, that captures all those things, that shows the event, and that catches the energy, but I think still drills home those key messages. But okay. You know, it's one of those things where people don't realise what they've watched, you know what I mean? Right. Like, they've just had this sort of very informative understanding of something, but they've just consumed it in a fun way. Right. And so what's the key message? Is the key message, you know, uh, to the public, come and check it out, or is it broader than that? Okay, it's it's always broader than that. Like, right. that's the thing about the arts, you know, it's not just a painting. It can be everything about culture, it can be about race, it can be about the economy, it can mm. be about history, so it's about... What is this now? Uh, what are you as an artist trying to explain or reveal and how does it fit into the bigger okay. framework? Right. And I imagine, uh, you know, having met a number of artists, um, sometimes trying to get them to get their head around answering those questions in a way um, that suits you and your audience, that could be pretty challenging. It is. <laughs> but that's my talent, Richard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to let them relax, have a laugh, right. and then you come in right. <laughs> when they least expect it. So if, if you look back, say, over the last year, what's one that you've done that you know you really enjoyed? Um, I think um, Lee, um, Mao's Last Dancer, the director yeah. of ba- the ballet art. Met him, yeah. He, that was fantastic. Right. It was very moving because it was at his opening of his exhibition at the Museum of Brisbane, mm-hmm. and he was... Um, Obviously, it was an emotional moment for him, sure. and he was very honest about that, mm-hmm. and it was a beautiful interview, and yeah, I really enjoyed that. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so that's one of the things you do, and then uh, another one being Love TV. Yes, Love TV. Well, that's I guess that's how I got here, doing what I'm doing now. Right. I um, started Love TV a long time ago. It was actually in a tent, right. in a bar, in a festival. And this is way before social media, yeah. and um, I think we did a camera to a big TV. In, in Brisbane? No, this was at the Adelaide Festival, okay. Fringe Festival. Right. And I guess the, the thing I have, and the core of what I, I am and what I do, is that people tell, tell me everything. Right. Like I have the ability to el- elicit the right. most... <laughs> So a bit like Andrew, was it Andrew? Andrew Denton, Denton. yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Enough rope. That's it. I give yeah. people enough rope. Um, and so I realised I had this talent skill and I thought, well, let's. What's, what's something that people love to talk about? Well, love. Right. And when do people get really excited and what, what, what can go a bit, be a bit naughty or, you know, so love became the subject. 
And so then I figured, well, who would be best to talk to love about? And then I thought, well, the character Aphrodite. Right. And so I sat in the tent with a camera at the window. The camera was connected to a TV. And people would join me one at a time in this tent right. to tell me their love stories. Right. And everyone sat outside and watched it on this screen. Oh, cool. And um, and from that moment on, it just everyone went, wow. Like, it was such a simple thing. Where did you come up with that concept? Uh, just, it just sort of evolved out of a numerous things I was doing at the time. Right. And then, it's, so I took it from a small tent in a festival in a bar in a paddock mm-hmm. to city of New York with the city of New York touring the five boroughs in literally a big hot pink TV on wheels. Right. <laughs> Where I was still Aphrodite, the goddess of love, but we were like travelling from the Bronx out to Staten Island to, um, to to Queens to... So we did all the five boroughs and right. that, that was sort of like... Um, that, that took years to get there, but mm. just developing it from this small idea to this sure. massive... <laughs> and so how did, how did uh, you appear on their radar, New York? Well... I I guess what happened was, so this was, I have two versions of Love TV. There's the naughty but nice version, which right. is at AO, yeah. in a bar, everyone's had a, had a few drinks, and, you know, that's when things get a bit hot and sexy. Right. <laughs> and then there's the uh, family version, right? which is what's how I started to develop the model with city councils, where, and that's where this concept of placemaking comes in, where they realise that... Um, what councils like is to activate public space, mm-hmm. to engage communities, to have a bit of spectacle, and to make documentation of their place. Right. And it's also they like to know why people like a place, what they like about it, and how they can make it better. Mm-hmm. So my version of Love TV in that space is the big pink TV on wheels. Right. Engaging the community in their stories about why they love this place, what do they like about it here, what do they do, and their love stories. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but it's a public show. Right. So town squares, like, you know, King George Square, I did Christmas one year. Okay. And so my friend, who is also my colleague, a woman called Victoria Johnston, who worked at council, we realised we had something great. And we just went, what do we want to do? And we just said, let's go to New York. Mm. So we made a PowerPoint, because councils love PowerPoints. (laughs) That was a really good PowerPoint. And we bought ourselves some tickets and we went to New York and we met with maybe 50 different people, mm. organisations, galleries. Mm. We also went to London on the same trip and went up to an event in Liverpool, um, a conference up there, and we just pitched this idea about 100 times. Like right. It was just just to find out where it fitted, where it would fit in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, And it was the city of New York who went, yes, mm-hmm. this is great. Took three more years to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a very patient person. Right. And then finally we did, and we did it through the five boroughs over six weeks, ten sites, you know, hundreds of people. It was nearly killed me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, we achieved our goal, which was great. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah. And then the, you're also uh, regularly on 4ZZZ. Yeah, you know, Triple Z. Well, Triple Z's an interesting place. Um, it is... It's so independent, mm-hmm. so you can do whatever you like there. That's mm-hmm. what I love about it. And again, it's a great platform for um, to introduce artists to Brisbane who are doing great projects or work. And I work there for just an hour on a mm-hmm. Friday, ten to eleven. But it's I love it. It's so much fun because it's instant. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, our little uh, guest spots on ABC Radio 
I love that too. You so know, good, isn't it's it? It's so different from my normal job. And uh, just to get on to the radio for an hour, usually about once a month or so, and just talk rubbish is, yeah. uh, is uh, great fun. And it's such a bizarre thing because it's like us in this room. Yeah. But there's thousands of people listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure. <laughs> the, people, the people who ring up are... Uh, are generally of the uh, the older generation, and they yeah. often have you know very interesting stories to tell. I love when you can um, just sort of almost hear the crickets in the background, yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I mean, you know, it's a, a very different career to the majority of people that I speak to. Yes, uh, and uh, I'm you know really interested to sort of understand the journey that took you from you know where you started to here. So tell us a little bit about you know early life you know, where you were born and how you grew up and then how your career unfolded? Mm-hmm. Well, I... Do you want me to talk about my family? Yeah. Okay. So I was... Um, I have seven aunties. Right. Um, and I'm the eldest grandchild of this massive Catholic family. Right. So 26 grandchildren. Um, one was born every year, wow. which is it's sort of <laughs> crazy. And um, because they're all women, it was a very close family. So we mm. spent, you know, every weekend together, this massive massive bunch of people um that was this extended family and uh the first four aunties were nuns right do you believe that holy mary mother of god (laughs) but i think i kind of got this weird there was sort of a strange experience i think because you sort of realize that as um women like these women didn't need to be married so Mm. they had careers and because everyone at that other women you know at that time women had to basically get married that's what you did but their careers in the church right yeah but then they're not there anymore they all of them left but one but it was just something interesting to grow up amongst women who didn't who weren't married right who were teachers and played music and you know made art and their life didn't revolve around these families so I think that was one thing, and then um, and they're all very creative. And then I think from early age, I was really into the arts. I liked, draw, you know, drawing and painting. Mm. Um, when I left high school, I went to Queensland College of Art. I did a Bachelor of Arts, majored in painting. Right. Um, and what, what about your dad? Like, was he on the scene? He was an accountant. Right. He was very straight. He so, was the opposite. Well, so <laughs> how, how did he handle all these women? He was. <laughs> Good question. Well, all the men were sort of... Uh, it was always like the women in the middle and the men on the outside. But Dad was great. Right. Like, he's passed away now. But he was a really... He was a very, um, again, spiritual person. He used to pray a lot. I sound like I'm really holy, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're not. <laughs> but he's, um, but he, was a, he was like one of the, a gentleman. Right. You know, he was very um, modest. He was very... Um, always concerned about doing the right thing and having a moral compass and you know so he brought us up to sort of have a very strong um values Mm -hmm. around social justice and um the community okay caring for others you know it was that kind of full-on catholic upbringing i'm getting a sense of how the arts meets you know love tv already yeah i know well that's it so i i guess it's sort of uh and he was unfortunately to all our um he was very anti, not anti-money, but he was like, op, he was the opposite of um, someone who was in it for the, to, to make wealth. Like, yeah. so that was a shame <laughs> in the long run, but my, he sort of brought us up to think that we didn't, you know, money wasn't uh, the driving force at all. You know? My dad was like that. Was he? Yeah, yeah. What a letdown. No, it's gone. 
<laughs> but it was, you know, he was an accountant, so yeah. it kind of didn't make sense. Anyway, so that was... Um, so you went to a art college. Yes. Yeah. Queensland College of Art. Yeah. Studied painting. Mm-hmm. That was in the 80s. Right. That's when I was at Woolies. Yeah. Um, and then I, I painted for a number of years. And funnily enough, I met a, um, this is really funny, a juggler. A juggler. <laughs> <laughs> and he, um, he was actually... So you were making a living as an artist or... No, I was working in a cafe, right, painting, okay, doing sure. exhibitions. You know, that classic kind yeah. of early career. Yeah. Um, you know, you support yourself by mm. making coffees and right, paint, but sure. you live in a cheap house and... Yeah. But it was great, and um, that was when Aromas first oh, yeah. emerged. So we we're all at Aromas. It was right. very bohemian. Yeah. And then I met this juggler, and um, <laughs> he would go to Europe every year mm. and do this whole festival um, tour. Right. And so he, I went with him one year and just went, oh, my God, who cares about painting? This is so much more fun, yeah. like performing. Right. So then I actually learned how to do a whole range of circus skills, okay. like fire twirling, uh, <laughs> juggling, right. trapeze, and I sort of got more into the performative element of things, and that's when, um, and that was, you know, and I actually made a living from that for quite some time, because right. I was living in Sydney then, yeah. after being overseas for a number of years, and then, um, but then I, you know, I sort of thought to myself, I was really young, but I thought... Well, you can't go like this. Like you, you were so reliant on your physicality mm. that this has a short-lived career. Mm. So, what can I do that is still performative, but sort of uses my intelligence and my personality in a way? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of when I guess the whole love TV thing started to emerge. And that was, um, and that's when I first did it at Adelaide Fringe. Right. And from that point on, I did it across a whole range of festivals. Mm-hmm. Took it to Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, interviewed my met my husband doing the show in Edinburgh. Right. <laughs> he came into the tents and uh, interviewed him about his love life, and um, we sort of had been from that we're together ever since that point. So right. bizarre. So it's interesting how in life what you do, um, you know, what you call, I don't know something so connected between what you do and and how. How you project yourself into the world, that's what you get back. So it was so perfect that by doing a show called Love TV, I found my husband mm-hmm. to, to be. Um, and then we came back and then moved to Melbourne and that's when Love TV developed into the public space, Hot Pink TV mm-hmm. on wheels. And that was the only thing you were focused on? Um, that and a career in the media. Right. And so I would MC things, moderate panels, mm-hmm. um, make... Different um, different ways of making content. Mm-hmm. Uh, always trying to work out a way to to yeah build content around stories. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then I had twins, mm-hmm. and so that kind of all stopped for a while. We moved up to Brisbane, and that's when I we took Love TV to New York, and then about that was in two thousand and twelve. And then I don't know, it just sort of that exhausted me to be honest. It was such a big task. Mm. And then sort of just wasn't sure what to do, mm. really. Mm. I was kind of came to a crossroads. And then um, I then this Facebook Live thing emerged uh, beginning of last year. Mm-hmm. 
And I'd, I'd made two series for Channel 31. I'd been working in the radio, like just trying to find a way in. Like mm. it's such a highly competitive sure. industry. I'm a woman of a certain age, you know. I'm not like the new young upcoming, you know, chick who can present to camera, journalist. Mm. Um, and so I just realised that my skill set and through doing radio, because, you know, in radio you've got five minutes to tell the story live. Mm. So I developed this process of like, I know how to do that now. So I started interviewing artists live from their exhibitions and openings. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized, well, this, and people started watching it and going, this is great. People started ringing me up and saying, can you come and cover our story? You know, and then I sort of started building that. And then I realized I should be charging this now for people to do this. (laughs) You're doing it for free then. Yeah. Yeah. Just did it. Because I didn't know if it worked. Right. Same with Love TV. Everything I've done has been a concept that I've built. And I've proved the model. Right. And then I've, I've been clear about what the model is and then I've sold the model. So when you went to New York, for example, you were paid to do that? We were paid, yeah, yeah. by some money. But we've raised funds ourselves. Okay. And we sort of self-funded a little bit because okay. it cost a lot of money. I bet. It did. <laughs> because there was seven of us. You know, oh, it was wow. big. It was yeah, a big sure. production. Yeah. Um, and then from doing the live to Facebook um so when are we talking? This can't be that long ago. Yeah, this is last year. Wow. So it's just new. This whole new thing, this mm. whole new um, business has just come out of very recently and rapidly being successful, which is so great because I'm running out of time, Richard. I need to nail this down now. <laughs> well, somebody's just turned, turned 50 I, I here. <laughs> so uh, thank God for that. Phew. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? So, you are doing this uh, work. Um, uh, you've obviously, you know, started to commercialise that in terms of council sponsorship, and yeah. I imagine venues are paying you now to come in. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, uh, again, talking before we started the recording, you're really starting to. Um, uh, move into this idea of city making, and yes. uh, you know, um, it, that quite frankly is a term I hadn't heard until sort of fifteen minutes ago. Yeah. So how did how did that all come to be, and you know, what's that all about? Well, city making uh, came out of doing Love TV, right, uh, and working with councils yeah. around urban design, mm-hmm. and that's how that's who I work with now, with Brisbane mm-hmm. City Council, with the urban design um, department. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the concept of placemaking and place attachment. Mm-hmm. So the place attachment is about having um, basically your fond memories or not about a space. So what builds those memories? A great experience or ongoing great experiences. Mm-hmm. And what could those experiences be? Like a great place to eat, you might have fallen in love there, you know, there might be a band there, there might be your favourite tree, you might like the way there's this piece of art there. So how do you create those experiences through a city so that ongoingly you have positive experiences mm-hmm. in your space? And, and are these terms that you've created or is this something that's got worldwide attention? Um, it's, it's pretty worldwide terminology. There's okay. a, um, a group called Projects for Public Spaces. Mm-hmm. They're out of New York. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with them quite mm-hmm. a bit as a con- in a consultation manner mm-hmm. around placemaking, mm-hmm. which is sort of the, I guess, the umbrella that this, this work comes under. Mm-hmm. And so when you say you're engaged with urban design, so is that before the place is even being designed? Yeah. Right. So, for example, I just did a project at um, Gaythorne, 
of all places. <laughs> right. Well, you know, people, when I say that, they go, Gaythorne, where's that? Or they go, Gaythorne, I remember there used to be a theatre there. Or Gaythorne, I remember there used to be an aquarium there. And so already there's these sort of like little memories building. Mm. And so for Gaythorne, they're doing a whole regeneration there. Mm-hmm. But it's on the harshest road in the most harshest urban environment now. So what they did, they brought in Aphrodite, mm-hmm. Goddess of Love and the Hot Pink TV on a Saturday. We've set up Love TV in the back car park and we brought everyone, put it out there to the community, come down, be part of this event. There was food, there was drink. Yep. And then I interviewed people about, you know, who are you? What do you do here? What do you love about Gaythorne? What would you like to see in Gaythorne? Mm. How would you like it to... How, what, what's the vision of what Gaythorne could be in 10 years? Mm. So it's like a public performance. But then I record it all. And then you've got this fantastic two hours of survey, mm-hmm. public survey, that then goes back to council and they go through it and go, oh, wow, they people like this and that and that. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like that's the process. It's too, you know, much like my podcast, it's preserving memory, isn't it? So, mm. uh, I mean, once it's recorded, it doesn't ever go away. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay, so council bring you in, you put on this event, yeah. you have this two hour of recording. Yeah. They then analyse that. Yes. And, and what happens from there? Well, then they take the recommendations and start building it into their design. Okay. Uh, the other thing it also does is now that memory of that car park has changed forever. Right. So they, you know, once upon a time, it's just a car park. Now there's been a hot pink TV in there with mm-hmm. Aphrodite and people's stories in that space. Mm-hmm. So that's altered that forever. Mm-hmm. And then that bring, you know, and that's the process has started of that transformation of that space. And so people can imagine, well, we could have food here on a Saturday or we could have bands and, you know, so you sort of, you're actually physically changing things. Mm. I mean, you're a very uh, exuberant and excited lady. Uh, <laughs> really? I, I, I imagine that uh, a lot of these people that you're talking to in council are perhaps not as exuberant or excited. So how, how do you get them, for want of a better term, juiced up about what you do? You know, I imagine that you know it would be quite a, a process to convince them mm. of the real, um, true, tangible benefit. Yeah, well... That's where you've got to use the lingo. Right. Which is, uh, you don't come and say, I'm Aphrodite on a hot pink TV. I've got a community engagement project mm-hmm. that will activate your public space, mm-hmm. document and survey your communities mm-hmm. as a consultation, and it will create, um, a, you know, an energy for, as a performance for, a, you know, a period of time. So mm-hmm. you've just ticked five boxes. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's going to be more than just a one-off performance in a car park doesn't it yeah yeah that's it well that's my role yeah and then it's over to them sure yeah so so you don't anticipate or want to be retained in the process moving forward to actually see these things come to fruition um i do but that's not really i don't have that skill set you know that that's that's like layers and layers of multiple partners multiple stakeholders Mm -hmm. you know i I can revisit spaces Mm -hmm. and I'm very, uh, I understand the process very well. You know, I could consult on how to do that. Mm -hmm. I understand how to make a place, how to make a space and what you need to do that kind of work because Mm -hmm. it is a multi-stakehole proposition. Mm -hmm. Everyone has to be on board. Everyone has to have clear goals. Like, and I could probably negotiate all that, but... The actual making it happen, I think that's someone else's job. Right. Really? I'm yeah. going to move on, babes. I've got other things to do. <laughs> and so, um, uh, 
And then you were talking about how you've been, you know, working with Brisbane City Council. And yeah. so is this a program, is it largely as you've just discussed that they want to roll out with you or something different? To um, well, Love TV, I work with two departments. Love TV's urban design. Right. My pops are focusing on cultural events is through creative communities. Mm-hmm. So that's things like um, the Lord Mayor's Carols, Briz Asia, um, the the recipients of all the funding from council. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that comes back to, I might have said it before when we were chatting earlier, but, you know, we know our, we know our sports stars, but who are our art stars? Mm-hmm. So council, Brisbane City Council is the biggest council nearly in the world. Really? It's enormous. Wow. Because most cities... Well, how do you put that on headcount or, or... Well, most councils are small. Right. Like... So, say in Sydney, you've got Sydney of Sydney, yeah. you've got Surrey Hills, and then you've got Moorlands, and then you've got, you know, everything's broken down into cities. Right. Brisbane's one massive council. Mm-hmm. So, in its social media and its reach, there's no other council that could get as much information out mm-hmm. so rapidly mm-hmm. as the city of Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So, what a perfect platform to get out content about the arts mm-hmm. as city council. Like, it's perfect. So, that's why I sort of... I, and I approach people myself, you know. I want those. I don't wait around to be asked because mm. often what I'm talking about doesn't even exist, mm. and people don't don't even know they need it. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I get that. <laughs> so I've got a sort of like, luckily, a good ability of communication. Mm-hmm. But often, you know, it's a cold pitch, mm-hmm. telling, you know, saying, "Oh, have you thought about doing this?" Where people have not even ever considered doing that. Mm-hmm. And bring them around to see the benefits mm. in a way, and mm. then, but then of course you have to deliver. Mm. I always remind me of that show on SBS where that guy used to just walk around through town. Yeah, and he would just interview. I love him. That was awesome. That He's show. the best. I used to watch that, you know, every week. I wonder what happened. Front to up, that guy. front up. That's yeah, it. yeah. He was one of my great um, inspirations. Did you know him or just no, watching the show? No, I still love watching it. I was yeah. like, wow, it's fantastic. Yeah. He was great. He was so low-key too. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, uh, now, you know, you're talking about opportunities to, to essentially use this from a corporate perspective. Yes. Where, um, you know, CEOs in particular, uh, a lot of their success comes from their ability to influence. Yes. And as a result of that, they need to build their personal brand Yes. Um, obviously, a large part of that is through delivering great results to their stakeholders. But um, you know, there's a uh, there is a growing awareness of how important it is to start to bring these things in as part of your identity as a mm. C-suite executive. So, where do you see the opportunities for yourself in that regard? Well, I, I can definitely see, and we're developing um, a model of mm. how to work with uh, the corporate sector, which is based on what we did within the creative sectors. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a space now, say, particularly on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You know, remember LinkedIn when it first started? It was so serious and dry. Yeah. And everyone thought, oh, we're in the corporate space. We have to be really uh, serious and dry and straight about how we communicate here. Mm-hmm. But I can. it's just changed really rapidly, quickly, where it's become... Um, a space where content does need to be fun and mm-hmm. engaging and mm-hmm. colourful mm-hmm. and clear and informative, mm-hmm. of course, and have gravitas. Mm-hmm. But um, it's such a great platform mm-hmm. now for content mm-hmm. to explain who you are and what you do, to mm-hmm. tell your story. And I think in for corporates, that's what 
I would develop, I, I'm developing a way that we can do that with them. Mm. That is, that is building a, a stronger narrative outside that tried and true old style of being the way the corporates communicate. Mm-hmm. I've got my little IDE uh, machine is going on here. <laughs> There's some great ideas around this. So I need to talk to Beth, but uh, we'll wait till the recording's turned off. Uh, and so, um, you know, with juggling all of these different balls, and obviously you've got a young family too. Yeah. You know, how do you, how do you manage your time and your attention to, you know, ensure that multiple projects are all happening well, and mm. you know, uh, and you're having a, a good and happy life. Yeah. Good question. <laughs> well. <laughs> I, um, well, it all happens in cycles, doesn't it? Like, you have your quiet times and then it builds. For me, everything happens in waves. Mm. So I'm coming into a really busy time where I just have to be very organised. Mm. I really, um, every day I get up at, I get up early and go for a run yeah. or a walk. Yeah. And that's the stuff, that's how I can do what I do. Mm-hmm. This morning I actually took one of my daughters and I said to her, if you can start doing this the rest of your life, You'll be able to deal with anything, you know. Mm. It builds resilience. Like, it gives you that space where you can um, just touch base with yourself and work out what you're going to do and get clear. And, you know, it's so, it's just, I think that's what keeps me sane, mm. just that little one hour mm. of exercise every morning. And then um, then it's, you know, yeah, it's a lot of being organised mm. and just making lists. I'm mm. a Virgo. <laughs> I love a list. I love ticking it off. Yeah. <laughs> My ex is a Virgo. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I love Virgos. <laughs> I'm in Aries. We all have our uh, okay. strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> right. So, um, and do you have sort of... Uh, do you have a vision of the future in terms of a plan or are you more spontaneous in terms of seizing opportunities that, you know, comes to you? Well, I really want to build Pops Art, mm-hmm. um, the, the arts media. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to ABC Digital Arts at the moment, mm-hmm. so potentially that might be a platform I could start broadcasting on. Mm-hmm. I want to, um, so I want to keep developing that. And, but, I, you know, I still love New York. I'm... I, I want to go back there. I'm working with an artist called Richard Bell at the moment. So okay. I don't know if you know Richard. He's no. um, he's just been bought by the Tate Modern. He's a contemporary Indigenous artist. Okay. So I'm working with him on getting his work to Venice Biennale mm-hmm. next year, and I'm I may be part of going there to, mm-hmm. to work on content around his work. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, it's about getting Love TV up and uh, generating good income, mm. and whether that means franchising. So. There's pops art going on in every other city, and I select other people to do my role. Mm-hmm. Uh, the role of Aphrodite, or more broad than that? Uh, well, the me- the arts media. Like for Aphrodite, I can't believe I still get away with being Aphrodite. Right. Again, and she's you know three thousand years old, so right. she's ageless. But I remember <laughs> thinking, someone said to me so long ago when I first started, which was early two thousands. Yeah. Like that's how long it's been going. Um, oh God! Imagine if you're stuck doing this for the rest of your life, you know. And it, and I at the time, if I thought of how my age now, like mm. if I was still being Aphrodite, I would have just died right. laughing. Right. <laughs> but somehow I can still pull it off, so that's all right. Um, so I love being Aphrodite because she gets away with everything. It's mm. fantastic. Mm. <laughs> It's like me on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you need steroids. Uh, so oh yeah, right. Okay. Um, so it's more the uh, 
as you say, the pop side, uh, the live to Facebook, the live to you know, potentially LinkedIn, etc., is the opportunity to grow the business. I think that's one part of it, definitely. Right. And but also working out, getting outside the arts is, I think, the key. Yeah. So looking at working with Scott Hutchinson mm-hmm. on um, and architects. Mm-hmm. I've already started. I've done a few. Um, pieces around that so again there's great spaces with awesome character mm. you know personalities mm. what's the story so so i think the arts is so small and um underfunded yeah that's i mean there's got to be a broad uh, getting out into the broader mm. community a logical extension to me is getting into property development mm. for sure you know you were particularly uh, the aging population and uh you know, the desire to create instead of your traditional sort of boring old retirement home, mm. an actual sort of community hub which is inclusive of, you know, all sorts of things that would allow, you know, my parents to go in, well, my dad, like yours, has passed away, but, yeah. you know, they don't want to just go into an old age home and die now. They want, no. they want something which is more real and yeah. um, more fun and more engaging and so on. I, I could I could see that as a great opportunity for you. Mm. In what way do you mean? Well, if you're talking about you're going into these spaces and trying oh, yeah. to create a sense of community. Yes, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, part of the sort of the attraction, the marketing collateral to bring, um, you know, a focus and attention and get some a unique selling proposition. Mm, yeah. Um, I, I think that could be excellent. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we'll have to keep talking about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because um, are we setting up our future so that we've got cool places to <laughs> grow old in? <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I think when I get to that age, yeah. I'm going to have a Thelma and Louise moment and, and just <laughs> you right. know, get chased by the police and, and jump off a cliff. <laughs> oh, I couldn't imagine sitting in an old age home no. waiting to die. Oh, God, no. No. You want good drugs, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, they, they, uh, I heard uh, a guy recently say that if we can live for another 30 years, um, you know, we will live for, you know, into, you know, 150 plus years old. The mm. medical technology and everything is advancing all so fast that um, uh, literally, you know, with between stem cell and mm. uh, all of these other, you know, gene therapies and so on. But, uh, but what know, would you look like? Well, do you what, look old? Like, who wants to live fifty years being a hundred-year-old looking person? Well, not if you're not one me. of these people. <laughs> you know, I see walking down the street bent over and you know struggling to. Uh, I mean, I couldn't imagine anything worse. If you could, like, being in constant pain, like somehow look like we do now mm. till we're a hundred and then start aging. Right. So they need to extend this period, not that period. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not the. I've got to go to work and pay the mortgage period. Yes, that's a drag. Exactly. Yeah. I look, you know, I imagine a lot of the stuff you're doing being passion projects. Yes. You know, there must be, and I know from my own early life trying to make it as a musician, yeah. you know, uh, I remember I was in Melbourne. we just won the Queensland Rock Awards. We'd beaten Powderfinger. And we moved to Melbourne. Yeah. And uh, I'm getting guitar lessons from the lead guitarist from the Little River Band. Yeah, right. Who at the time, they were the biggest band in Australia. Johnny Farnham's their singer. They're massive. Oh my God, you were there. And you he, made it. But he had to teach guitar yeah. to make enough money to feed his family. Yeah. And yet he's in the biggest band in Australia. And yeah. I had this sort of light bulb moment, which was, shit, I've got to go home and finish my uni degree. Yes. You know, and that was, 
I imagine for you, you know, mm. I mean, um, you've been living this for a long time. Mm. That constant, you know, balance between I want to live my passion mm. and I want to make a contribution and I want to bring attention to the arts uh, that is undervalued and, you know, um, and yet at the same time, you know, I've got to live my life. Mm. I've got to build a future for my family. It must be difficult. Oh, yeah, it's exhausting mm. and stressful. And you do... It, you know, can that question of am I crazy and why am I doing this mm. still comes up, you know, mm. like, but I just feel like I'm so far across the bridge now, mm. I can't turn around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't actually know what else I could, I mean, I can do other things, right? I can mm. do other things, mm. but um, I think what I'm building at the moment is so solid all of a sudden mm. and... Like what the other strength I have is my relationships. Like mm. I, I am connected to every arts organisation on a on a really high level now, mm. not only in Brisbane but Australia. And so I've got a really big um, sort of collateral around that those relationships mm. as well. So for me, I could, t- you know, try and change course, and I have looked at other options, but I just I just think. Um, you know, the fat lady hasn't sung yet. Just <laughs> <laughs> because she goes for a run every morning. I <laughs> know. Oh, de- it can be dementing, though. And I do, you know, sometimes, like, it's, you know, it's financially, it's very challenging. Mm. Very challenging. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and yet, you know, right back from when you were a kid, you know, your, your mum's and her siblings have sort of really instilling in you you know a, a lifestyle of art and passion and um and not getting into stereotypes mm. and your dad's you know teaching you about you know money is not evil but you know uh it's not the primary driver yeah you know we are the creation of our families aren't we i know i know that's so true i t- totally agree i couldn't mm. agree with you more mm. and so um uh if people are listening to this podcast mm. and they want to engage with you, yes. you know, they're excited about the things you're talking about, either in terms of this urban, you know, idea or in terms of uh, the arts or building profile and so on, how can they um, uh, get in touch with you and, and uh, explore some of these ideas? Yeah, look, I'm really keen to start working with the corporate sector um, around developing content for social media around their stories mm. of who they are, mm. what they do, and particularly if they're involved in charities or events which their uh, business are sponsoring or mm-hmm. putting, um, you know, supporting. So mm. we could come to your event, your events and interview you while you're at the event. And you can talk about your business, but yourself, but also the charity or what, what you're supporting. And I think that's... People are really interested in that mm. because you're not just talking about yourself and how great you are. You're talking about what you're doing for the world mm. and, ha- and what what what's you're passionate with as well mm. outside of your own thing. And I think that's a really strong um, story. Mm. And I think that's that's what we can bring. Uh, so you can email me or you can ring me, Facebook me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you want me to give details now? Oh, look, <laughs> I'll, I'll put them in the show notes. I'm totally um, available. Right. So, um, you know, when you look back um, over your career and then you look towards the future, you know, what are you really excited about? Well, 
Um, well, I think I've just had a, a new lease on my potential in mm-hmm. a way, which mm-hmm. I'm quite surprised by. Right. I mean, to be honest, the last three weeks ago, I did a first aid course because I was going to go and get a, a job selling tickets on the ferry. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was just sick of like the inconsistency right. of my income. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, every time I get the ferry, <laughs> and I, look, I think, God, this would be a great job. I know. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still going to keep that up my sleeve. Right. Because I'd be like, hi, coming into city of Brisbane now, everyone, <laughs> like on the microphone. Uh, we'll be using the front <laughs> on the left hand side. And then you can upgrade to doing the deckhand, which is the right. ropes, yeah. and then you can be the driver. Yeah. So the captain, wouldn't it be? Yes, the captain. Right. So I, I think I just was happy to know I had that in the back of my mind. Yeah. But it's weird. Since I've, that's happened, all all those seeds I've sown, yeah. which often takes so long to come to fruition, mm. are beginning to flower now. And mm. so all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, actually, I probably don't need that job anymore because I'm actually, things are really moving in this yeah. in, in my world. So um, I think I... I just hope this keeps growing now and mm. I, I, it actually does really financially boom mm. massively because mm. see you later, nun aunties and holy damn, I want some money. <laughs> well, I hear you, sister. Well, I'd be very sad to see you all this way because it's so, I mean, you're obviously, you love it and it's so important and, uh, mm. you know, I, I'm thinking about all different ways that, you know, I can help you to get the message out. But I uh, uh, really appreciate you taking the time to talk today. Uh, to the listeners and uh, have a fantastic afternoon. Thank you so much for doing this. It's been really great. I've really um, learnt a lot about <laughs> stuff. And myself, <laughs> I feel like I've been to a session. <laughs> All right. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Arate Podcast with Richard Treeks. For show notes and other resources, please visit aratepodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes so you can continue your own journey towards realizing your full potential as a senior executive. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The Arate Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.